Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Amen. I want to start by sharing a scripture text with you that I, I shared about a month ago because we haven't, I haven't been up on this platform in a month. Now, it's kind of a theme text that I felt uh, kind of fell in my heart. And here's what it, it says, Isaiah 42, 4. He, and, and the he here is speaking about Jesus. It's speaking about the Messiah. So this text of Scripture was prophesied and then written over 700 years before Jesus Christ came to the earth as a man. So 700 years before he came to the earth as a man, this was spoken about him, about what part of his mission would be. And this is what it says. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. And, and so this particular text kind of captures God's heart for people everywhere. That distant lands, and that would include us, but that distant lands and people everywhere would receive the instruction of God. And really, this is kind of a, a theme to our, our trip. Our trip was really a time where we went and we supported what God is already doing in the Philippines. I want to read to you our value on outreach and world missions and comment on that, and then we're going to go through a little bit of a Q&A time. But uh, we, this is one of our values. It's, it says here, we value outreach and world missions. We value God's love for lost humanity and his call to reach people with the good news. We value relationship-based evangelism, small group outreach, and the planting of churches as some of the most effective ways to reach people and disciple new converts. And this is the part I want you to see here because this is really what we did. We value short and long-term missionary efforts which support the indigenous church leaders, those are the people of the nation that you go to, in foreign lands as they seek to fulfill the Great Commission. So if you look at this GHC value, this Grace Harvest Church value, you'll see what happened on this trip to the Philippines. We value short, and in this case, short-term missionary efforts which support the indigenous church leaders in foreign lands as they seek to fulfill the Great Commission. So we went to come alongside leaders in the Philippines in the ministry that they're already doing to reach their own people because people in a culture are far more effective at reaching people in their own culture, right? They know the customs. They know the language. They understand those little subtle idiosyncrasies that every nation has, that every people group has, and they, they know how to speak the language of their people. So when we go to the Philippines, we're not coming like, hey, we're Americans full of ingenuity and ideas, and we're going to tell you how to do it. But we come rather alongside them, and we say, how can we serve you? How can we support what you're doing? How can we um, be supplemental? Like, you know, I guess, you know, they've got the They've got the meat and vegetables, and we just come along and give them some, you know, some vitamins maybe, some things to help them in their mission so they can be successful. Uh, we're not coming along telling them how to do it. We're asking them, how can we help you? And we've been in this partnership in the Philippines for almost 25 years, and it's been really, really a powerful time. We've seen many, many lives change. We support a children's home and orphanage there, and uh, we've been involved in a number of projects, building churches. I mean, I can't even tell you. There's, there's so many things we've been a part of for almost 25 years, and we're continuing that mission because we believe in those long-term relationships. And so that's what we did. And, and uh, so I'm going to, as we have a slideshow that's going to come up, and it's just going to be going along, and then if I 
feel to stop and comment on something, I will, but uh, that's myself and Pastor Jess Slesher, and that's Drew, of course. And as the slideshow rolls along, we're going to talk about our trip, and we're going to probably pause on some of the slides to talk about specific people and places. But because this was Pastor Drew's first time to go on a trip to the Philippines with, with one of our teams, I thought that I would uh, interview him because he is full of all kinds of new impressions. And then I'll, I'll comment along the way. You know, I won't be able to keep my mouth shut. This so, is an interrogation. This is, is an interrogation. Is. Yes. Lights, not yes. enough water. Yeah, that's true. No. Lights in the eyes, not enough water. Yeah. It's an interrogation. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. So, so I, I want to start with a general question and then get into some specifics. But uh, what are some of your impressions about the Philippines on your first official trip there, more specifically? Tell us your impressions of the Filipino people. Yeah, the, the Filipino people are uh, beautiful people, and they are passionate about worship. And it was, um, it was just a joy to be around them. They're friendly. They're warm. They, um, they're a little shy. And so it, sometimes you couldn't, I, I couldn't tell if there was like a language barrier or if, if they're just shy. And um, I had talked to one of their pastors and he had, you know, he had agreed. He's like, yes, they're actually just a little bit shy. So, um, but again, I, we felt so welcomed everywhere, almost a little, uh, almost a little too much. They, they wanted to do everything for you. They wanted to grab your, your luggage or your, your guitar or whatever it might be. And, um, and there'd just be times where, um, yeah, it, it was overwhelming how kind they were. Yeah. Um, Tell me about what you thought of the landscape, the, the nation, what you experienced oh. as you drove around the Philippines. Yeah. We were all over the Northern Island. Yeah. As you can see in the pictures, uh, that's Baguio. And it's um, in the mountains and it's built into the mountain. And I have grown up, uh, my whole life has been in the Pacific Northwest. And so uh, Washington, Idaho, Oregon. And uh, it was very, very different. <laughs> in, in Baguio, they had uh, pine trees. And I was like, I recognize that right there. But everything else was very, very foreign. It's a, it's a tropical climate. Everything's green. Everything's beautiful. Um, it was, uh, as you can see, there's, there's homes actually like built into the mountain. And it was, um, it was pretty breathtaking. It was, as we were just driving and traveling and all that stuff, it was, um, I just kept taking pictures and my camera is full of, of pictures. So beautiful place. Can you actually, I think there might be a couple of photos that show the homes built into the mountain, or at least there was in the slideshow that I, I sent. But if we don't see those, that's fine. Um, so one of the things that always impresses people when they go to the Philippines is traveling and driving in particular. So tell us about what it was like to drive in the Philippines. <laughs> well, it was, um, I, I think you just had to basically settle in your heart that you might die. You just might be like, this is, I might die just driving to get to wherever we're getting to. They're really used to it, but there's kind of like, there's, there's I, I mean, there's so many people everywhere. And there is cars and motorcycles and jeepneys. And they, um, they kind of are just honking everywhere. Everyone is honking their horns, but they're not being rude. It's kind of like... It's like sonar or something like that. They're like, I'm over here, I'm over here. Whereas in the States, if you're honking at somebody, it's, you know, you're probably upset with them. But over there, it's really relational. And um, <clears throat> that's how I put it. I was like, you guys are very relational in how you drive. <laughs> uh, but it is, yeah, even after you kind of get used to it, you still, there's still some close calls where, you know, you feel like you're, you're like looking for a seatbelt. The seatbelts didn't work very well. And uh, you're looking for a seatbelt because, yeah, the person driving is, and they feel very comfortable 
Like, they're fine doing this, but it was definitely not very comfortable uh, <laughs> riding with them. So, good time. Yeah, you have to have some skills to drive in the Philippines. Uh, like a lot of Southeast Asia, one of the things that you see is that every road is shared by multiple creatures. Yeah. Um, so, you've got dogs, children, um, goats, chickens, monkeys, and big giant water buffalo they call carabao. And you have two lanes, and there's no shoulder. And everybody's sharing that space, and they're drying their rice in the middle of the road. And that's where they dry their rice. And so and next time you have some rice and you notice that it has a little bit of a rubbery taste, uh, that's, uh, no, just kidding, just kidding. So, so you're, you know, you're driving, and all of these things are happening simultaneously, and we're like, yeah, whoa, <laughs> ah, you know, that's, that's kind of how you're responding, but people there are just, this is normal life, and it's really, really an exciting experience. Yeah. I, I always commented to the, the Filipinos as we were driving, I was like, this wouldn't work in the States, because people would just kill each other. But they're, you know, they're, they're much more kinder people, I think, in general. They're, they're very relational. They're just like, okay, you walk out in front of somebody in the States, you're probably going to get ran over. So, yeah, very, very interesting experience. Yeah, just one more comment about it. The thing that, that's really interesting is when people are turning corners, like you're driving down a road and people are coming across this way, and there's no light saying left-hand turn. There's nothing like that. And you're just, everybody's communicating with their eyes. So it's all just like, but, but happy eyes, yeah, not happy angry eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so <laughs> like happy. they know, okay, this is where I stop. Oh, they go now. Oh, okay, now I go. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like a dance. And it's a dance that I have not learned. And I would have two left feet. Okay. So what about, what was it like for you in the different churches? Like when you, when you saw the Filipino church and the different pastors and leaders that we were serving and, and doing ministry with? What, how did the Filipino church and its leaders and its people, how did it impress you or, or impact you? Yeah, that, I, I, I told the Filipino people whenever I was with them too, is that because um, everything is so foreign, if you've been to an Asian country, everything is different. Um, it, menus, right? Like you might drive by McDonald's and you're like, I recognize that place, even though maybe you don't want to eat there. But even when you go in, they have rice on the menu at McDonald's and you're like, that's not, you know, that's not normal. Uh, for us, anyway. And um, so everything is very unfamiliar. And yet, whenever we would gather, um, it would be really familiar. It's like as we begin to worship, as we begin to praise, and people were praying, sometimes in, in a different language. Um, but you felt the same presence of God that you feel here, right? Because he's the same God. And so it was really one of those beautiful things to um, be in a very unfamiliar place, really long ways from home, and, and come into a, a setting like this with your brothers and sisters and be like, oh, this feels like home. This feels very familiar. So it was amazing. You might not know this, but uh, we had the opportunity to experience two um, phenomenons of nature while we were there. Uh, the first thing that happened was we experienced an earthquake. We were up in Baguio, which is up about a mile high, and about four hours, five hours north of Baguio in an area called Abra, there was a large earthquake, 6.7 on the Richter scale. And while we were there, we were able to feel it pretty significantly where we were at. So we experienced that. And then a typhoon came through the country. And the typhoon was headed right to where we were doing the seminar. Its eye was supposed to go right over where we were. And we were pretty freaked out about that. And then it just suddenly turned south 
and it went through another part of the Philippines. It still did uh, some pretty intense damage, and there was loss of life. But it was like we experienced uh, the outer rim of it and a lot of rain. I've never experienced this much rain in the Philippines. But, um, yeah, the, the earthquake shook me pretty good. I was sit- literally in the room we were at in Baguio. I was in my room, and I was sitting on the bed, and I think I was looking over notes for the next day, and all of a sudden the room starts to shake, and I'm up, and I'm like putting clothes on and getting ready to go stand somewhere safe. And, uh, but it's really interesting what happened with Drew at the earthquake. Uh, why don't you tell it? I, I just slept through it. There's nothing interesting. I just, I just didn't wake up. So <laughs> I came the next morning. I, I looked at my phone, and there was all the alerts are in a different language. And so I was, you know, you could see something happen, but I'm not sure what. And then I walked out, and, and Pastor Jess and Pastor Doug were, you know, just like, whoa, did you feel that? I had my bags packed, and I was like, I was like, nope. Slept, slept right through, man. Feel great. Feel good. It's not even yeah. right. We did, I did have a giant spider in my room. Oh, you got to tell was... them about the spider. Yes. Gotta... So is anyone like an actual arachnophobe? Okay. I almost put, I almost put a picture this of is for you. the type of, yeah, I was like, I didn't want to do that, so I won't do that. But yeah, so I, I'm not an arachnophobe. Like I, spiders don't bother me, but, um, but this was like, I've never seen a spider that big. It was a huntsman spider. And if you know what those are, or if you've been anywhere, I mean, they're like, they're like this big. Like when they're all, they're they're like this big. (laughs) And I I had got out of the shower one morning and this was in Baguio. And um, something just caught caught the corner of, you know, my eye. And I just, I turned around and there's this giant spider on the wall. And I was just like, what, what, what what are you doing here? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Excuse me, sir. Uh, This isn't going to work, you know? (laughs) And I was just sitting there trying. I'm like, is that a tarantula? I couldn't even process because it was so big. And so instantly I knew I had to kill it. Because I was like, this isn't going to work. You know, you and I are not going to coexist in this, this room. Um, and so I tried to kill it. And I tried to catch it. And, and I'm like moving furniture around and like moving stuff out of the way. And I think it, it must have ran up underneath. There was a chair, like a recliner in the room. And it must have ran up underneath there. And so I flipped it over and was trying to get it out. And uh, I, I couldn't find it. So anyway. So uh, what I just believed, I just believed that he was eating mosquitoes and that I wouldn't get dengue fever or malaria. So I was like, all right, man, you're doing the Lord's work. I trust you. (laughs) And slept. I do think it's interesting that the name of that spider is a huntsman. It's true. Yeah. It it did feel a little bit like he was was stalking me. Yeah. Now, Drew did say something, uh, and, and please don't take offense at this. At the moment, it seemed kind of funny, and then you realize, you know, what's happening, but he made a statement, you know, what, what did you say about the earthquake? Oh, typhoon? it was just like we, like that's, we needed an earthquake to, or a, a volcano. Yeah. Like we've had a typhoon, an earthquake. We're just waiting on a volcano to erupt yeah. to get the full like natural disaster experience. Yeah. Of course, yeah. then you say that and you're like, no, don't, no, no, never no, mind. No, yeah. Don't do it. We don't want that. Yeah. He asked me, do they have volcanoes in the Philippines? And I'm like, oh yeah, active ones. So, um, just for the sake of time, uh, let's see here. What, what was it like for you leading worship in front of Filipino people across this nation um, for, for the first time? I mean, being able to lead worship in, in front of a di- completely different group of people and nation. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a brand new experience. Um, you know, just realizing that I think a lot of them didn't probably understand, you know, English super well. Some did, but some didn't. But you're just trusting in God that God is going to actually 
he's going to translate, right? He's going to do something. His presence, um, I think, is, is going to do something. And there was obviously some technical things that were really dif- difficult to work out with um, their teams ahead of time. Um, but the funny thing was it, it, it didn't stop any of the people from worshiping at all. Um, there was actually more often than not you actually had to just shut the services down because they'll just keep going. They'll just keep worshiping. And um, they, they have a, yeah, they have a revelation and they've got a heart to, you know, to keep doing it. And so it was very, it was, it was easy on that, on that end of things. The technical stuff was a little bit more, you know, a little more difficult, but leading people was great. Yeah. Can you comment just to elaborate on that? You were talking about one of the sessions, one of the pastors came up and you had led in, in worship and, and you oh, had yeah. to literally shut it down. I, mean, I thought yeah. that was powerful. Yeah. So one of the sessions I think was in, I think it was in Baguio, but I, I taught on worship and, um, and just the idea of, um, you know, the Lord wants to hear you sing. Jesus sang, right, uh, as they were uh, taking the Passover communion, and um, and the, just kind of expounding on that idea and talking about that. And so um, I just had them get up. I think it's a good idea for us to practice what we preach, right? And if it's in the Bible and we believe it, then we should be doing it. And um, and so we got up and just started to sing. And um, and they just there are no instruments or anything like that. Like just got up, started singing their own song, and. Um, and it went on for probably like 10 or 15 minutes and they just wouldn't stop. And so, which was, and again, it was a really powerful moment, you know, and, and you're just like, I, I, at one point I just got off the mic because I was singing with them and I just, I just let them do their thing and they just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, um, you could see that people were being encountered by, uh, by, you know, the Lord, his presence. And, um, yeah, so pastor Josh, uh, had to come up and just, he's like, okay, we gotta, they'll just keep going if we, <laughs> if we don't stop. So it was really beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah. That's powerful. That's challenging, isn't it? Um, to kind of begin to wrap, wrap things up, what are some of the things that had the greatest impact upon you upon further reflection once you returned home? I, I think that there's so many things. Um, one of the main things I, I think that was, I, I guess that really sticks out to me is that I think all of us know that God is doing stuff in other places in the world, right? Like we, or we know it like in our heads, um, but a lot of us haven't experienced that. And those are, those are two different things, and you actually need both of them. Because that's actually really, in, in a biblical term, that's what it actually means to know something, is that you, you believe it, but then you actually experience it. And so it was really powerful to just to go there and experience what God is doing, you know, in a completely different culture, completely different language, totally different people. And just know that God is doing stuff all over the earth, regardless of how we feel about life right now here in Moses Lake. Um, that all over the place, his work is going forth and his kingdom is being built. And that was really encouraging to me, you know. And, um, and, and of course, just being with the Filipino people, how they worship, how they, how they treat life. Um, there is a lot of lack, you know, in, in the Philippines. And, um, but you wouldn't know that from being around the people. They're very generous people, and there's a lot of joy in them. And that was really uh, profound, beautiful. Amen. Um, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to end by just telling you about something that, a couple of things that we've been doing in the Philippines for a long time, because uh, it really kind of started with this almost 25 years ago when we were invited to go to the Philippines. We got involved with a children's home. You can see the photos right here. And uh, this particular children's home is called Mountain Hope Children's Home, and it's an orphanage, and many of these children either come from homes where they didn't have the parents they needed or their parents could not afford to raise them. 
And so they brought them to the children's home and dropped them off at the front door. And Amy Mayim, who is an amazing woman, she not only leads this children's home, but she also leads a network of churches called Bible Christian Fellowship. And that was the big conference that we did with about 500 people there. She leads that entire network and she pastors a church there in that area. So she's practically a superwoman in Jesus. Um, anyways, these children, we have, we've been a part of supporting. In fact, our church has basically almost done all of the support of this children's home for near 25 years. And we've, we've had as little as 17 children that have been in the home at a time, up to about 40 during that time period. And many of these kids now have grown up and they've got their education, they've got, their, they've got degrees, they're serving you know, in the medical community, they're serving um, in ministry, they're pastors, they're leaders. I mean, they've gone on to have incredible lives. In fact, one of the young women there is now serving as a volunteer at another ministry I'm going to show you in a minute, a ministry to young girls that have either been sex trafficked or have been um, sexually abused that we also uh, were part of a presentation. Here are some of the young ladies here that are a part of this ministry called Refuge of Hope. And Refuge of Hope is for girls that have experienced sexual abuse. And so this young lady that came up in the children's home is now serving over there at that, um, at that ministry, Refuge of Hope. And we, we just had the opportunity to sit through two different presentations where, where they told us about what they're doing. And, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. Drew and I are like, you know, we're, we're like holding tears back and, and we're being very, very deeply um, impacted and, and moved and feeling compassion, feeling love. And again, we've been supporting this children's home for years and I've met many, many of the children and watched them grow up. One of the young men that grew up in the children's home is now one of their main worship leaders and is helping at the church. So that was really, his name is Scotty. Uh, some of you have met Scotty. Scotty's a man now, and he's just an incredible young man. But we support those ministries, and, um, and it was really, really touching and deeply impacting. And if any of you are interested in particular getting involved in those ministries, uh, please just hit us up and let us know, and we'll show you how you can get involved through our church with Mountain Hope Children's Home and Refuge of Hope. What the Refuge of Hope, I don't remember what it's called, uh, Ministries, right? Ref, Refuge of Hope Ministries. Both of those ministries are involved in helping children. And, uh, and we're, we're watching these kids grow up and, and make an impact in the world. So uh, thank you for those of you who already give toward those things. Thank you for that. By the way, in case you're wondering, not one penny of what anybody gives in this church goes to any kind of administrative fees or anything. We don't skim anything off the top. This isn't going to our Hawaii vacation fund, nothing like that. So all of it, every penny goes to the children in the Philippines, and, and we just serve as, as, you know, the means to see that that happens. Uh, so anyway, our trip was incredible. I just, real quickly, um, we got to see multiple people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We got to see multiple people healed physically and touched. We got to see multiple pastors and leaders go away very, very encouraged and uh, receive, you know, teaching and training and prophetic words and all of that in a way that really changed people's lives. And uh, it, it was, it, it, I, I just want to tell you, there were times on the trip, well, most of the trip, we didn't have time to stop and pray, to study, 
to prepare. You're just on the move constantly. You're traveling constantly, and you're tired, and you're being stretched, and so you, don't have, you really don't have time to get ready. So what are you counting on? You're counting on people back home are praying for you. They're praying for you. And so thank you. We felt carried. I would say on the wings of God, we felt carried because you were praying and you were saying, God, help them and give them strength and give them the words and give them what they need. And the Lord was hearing you and he helped us and he, he really used us in, in a great way. And, uh, and it was humbling and it was, it was great. It was fun. We had a great time. Um, in a lot of ways, it was easy from the standpoint that we didn't have to strive. We didn't have to struggle. We just got up and, and did what we do, and God showed up and worked. And, and so we're continuing our partnership. Um, I want to tell you some of the pictures you're seeing here. The last day of the big conference that we were at, I, I preached a word on seeing people through the eyes of God. And then after the message, I, I turned to a group of pastors that were over on the right-hand side, and I gave a number of them prophetic words. And if you don't understand what that is, you can come up and ask me afterward. But basically, the Lord gave me words for their life and things about them. And, and so I spoke over them. And then we had all those pastors come up. And we had all of our team come up. And we, we laid hands on them and prayed over them. And then we said, now, all of you people that are here that want a fresh commissioning and you want to be able to see people through the eyes of God and you want, you want you know, just God to, to use you in a new way, come on up here and all the people came up and then we released all these pastors and all these pastors prayed over all of the people that were there and you can see some of the pictures here um, they, they prayed over all the people that were there and gave them words and spoke words of encouragement and life over them and it was really really a powerful way to finish the conference so you were a part of that and I want to say thank you and the other thing is is I checked back home a couple of times with Pastor Raul about um, you know what what's been given toward the trip if we've been able to meet the budget and I don't know what the final numbers are but I would say we did pretty good didn't we your giving was incredible over and above what I expected and I just want to say thank you for the way that you gave for the trip it was a great time we had a, a lot of fun together anything else you want to say to close it um, we had a lot of fun gave each other uh, a rough time but I have to tell you there was there was no time that I was ever annoyed with Drew. Now, I'm sure there were times when he was annoyed with me. But it was just really great to hang out and with Pastor Jess as well. And, and God was in it all. So thank you so much for your support. I hope this was an encouraging report for you.